Well, today, we'll read an Old Testament story that it could be an opera or a soap opera, for that matter. It's a story of greed, power, conspiracy, perjury, theft, and murder. Now, before we read from 1 Kings 21, let me tell you some of the characters and the context. Naboth is a fellow who lives in the city of Jezreel, which is southwest of the Sea of Galilee. Naboth is just a citizen who happens to own a nice vineyard. King Ahab reigned over the northern kingdom of Israel for approximately, well, from 874 to 853 B.C. or so. He's also a neighbor of Naboth. Back in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings, it says that Ahab did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than had all the kings of Israel who were before him. Ahab is also married to an infamous woman named Jezebel. Finally, there's the prophet Elijah, the same guy who had challenged Jezebel's buddies, the 400 and something prophets of Baal and one only to later have to hide out when Jezebel put a hit out on him and he hid out in a cave on a mountain where he famously did not hear God in the earthquake or the wind or the fire but only in the still small voice listen now for that still small voice in the word of God from First Kings. But first let us pray. Oh God, when your prophets speak justice by the Spirit, the powerless clap their hands. When your Son declares forgiveness, sinners cry tears of joy. By the power of your Holy Spirit, open our ears to your word and move our hearts to respond in ways that honor you. Amen. From 1 Kings 21. Later, the following events took place. Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. And Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard so that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it's near my house. I will give you a better vineyard for it, or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you my ancestral inheritance. Ahab went home resentful and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him, for he had said, I will not give you my ancestral inheritance. He lay down on his bed, turned away his face, and would not eat. His wife, Jezebel, came to him and said, Why are you so depressed that you will not eat? He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if you prefer, I'll give you another vineyard for it. But he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. His wife said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Get up, eat some food, and be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth. The Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, 
sealed them with his seal. She sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who lived with Naboth in his city. She wrote in the letters, proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the assembly. Seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring a charge against him saying, you have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. The men of his city, the elders and the nobles who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them, just as was written in the letters that she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth at the head of the assembly. The two scoundrels came in, sat opposite him, and the scoundrels brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Go take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive, but dead. As soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab set out to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Go down to meet King Ahab of Israel, who rules Samaria. He is now in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. You shall say to him, Thus says the Lord. Have you killed and also taken possession? You shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, dogs will lick up your blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you, because you sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. I will bring disaster on you. I will consume you, and I will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Naboth, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. Now let me read some of those verses Johnny read to us earlier from Psalm 5. Psalm 5 could be a prayer by Naboth, if you think about his terrible situation. Hear my words, Lord. Consider my groans. Pay attention to the sound of my cries, my King and my God, because I'm praying to you. Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I lay it out all before you. Then I wait expectantly because you aren't a God who enjoys wickedness. Evil doesn't live with you. Arrogant people won't last long in your sight. You hate all evildoers. You destroy liars. The Lord despises people who are violent and dishonest. But me, I will enter your house because of your abundant, faithful love. I will bow down at your holy temple, honoring you, Lord, because of many enemies. Please lead me in your righteousness. Make your way clear right in front of me. And then skipping down to the 11th verse, but let all who take refuge in you celebrate. 
Let them sing out loud forever. Protect them so that all who love your name can rejoice in you because you, Lord, you, Lord, bless the righteous. You cover them with favor like a shield. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me ask you a question that King Ahab should have considered. When you sell yourself, what's a good price? To our 21st century ears, it may sound like Ahab is offering Naboth a fair deal. He said to him, give me your vineyard so I can have it for a garden and it's near my house and I'll give you a better vineyard for it. Or if you prefer, I'll give you money. In other words, I'll pay you for your land. Or if you prefer, I'll swap you for another piece of land. We're used to government offering similar deals when roads are widened or lakes like Jordan or Falls Lake are created. Or for that matter, in what some have called the art of the deal. But Leviticus 25 said, the land shall not be sold in perpetuity. For the land is mine, that is God's, with me. You are but aliens and tenants. In other words, God owned the land according to the Torah, the law of Moses. The law of Moses, God's law, was focused on community rather than on consumerism. That was an agrarian economy in which people were dependent on the land. Without land, you would become homeless and destitute, dependent on the kindness of strangers, or you might die. Not only that, Naboth had sworn an oath not to sell his land when he said, the Lord forbid that I should give it to you or should sell you my inheritance. You know, recently, right here in Johnson County, we've seen examples of that kind of attachment to the land. CSX Railroad wants to build a freight hub. The News and Observer, uh, News and Observer story said that the $150 million hub would create 300 jobs in the short time and up to 1,500 jobs in the long term. That 500-acre terminal would draw and reroute containers from the East Coast, trains and trucks, and from North Carolina's ports in Moorhead City and Wilmington. It'd be a big deal financially and economically. But first, the landowners in Selma, and more recently in Four Oaks, have said, the land my daddy and granddaddy and sometimes great-granddaddy farmed ain't for sale. This is my home place. I'm attached to this land. Well, there are people for and there are people against that project. It involves a lot of jobs and a lot of money and a lot of different interests. So stay tuned to see what happened. But we do know what happened after Naboth said no to Ahab. The scripture paints a pitiful picture of Ahab. He's a powerful man, sulking because someone said no to him. 
He went home resentful and sullen, lay on his bed, turned away his face, and would not eat. He sulks, he pines, he pouts. He does, he does what you do when life's just too much to bear. And even a vacation won't help, son. <laughs> don't you just hate it when you don't get your way? Well, it's such a common feeling that savvy salesmen sometimes use it to pressure you to buy something, saying something like, you know, we do have a couple of other offers on this house we're considering, or Betty and I were once told another couple has been looking at this particular car, which I said, you know, if they buy it, it wasn't meant for us, was it? <laughs> well, one of the great myths of our day is buy this and you'll be happy. Don't buy, you'll miss out on joy, on pleasure, on fame, your dreams, a unique opportunity or on something somehow so important you've got to do this. Salesmen and politicians play on our hopes and they play on our fears. They do it for a simple reason. It works. We don't just let them manipulate us. We do some of that ourselves. We let I might like become I want, and I want become oh I really need. So Jezebel basically asked Ahab just who wears the crown in this country? <laughs> and then practical, sneaky, conniving Jezebel. On Empire she'd be cookie, wouldn't she, Paul? <laughs> She plots a plan to get her king exactly what he wants. She says, proclaim a fast. Seat Naboth at the head of the assembly. Seat two scoundrels opposite and have them bring a charge against him, saying you have cursed God and the king, and then take him out and stone him to death. And they did exactly that. So with no more Naboth, the king gets his garden, and they live happily ever after, right? No, no, <laughs> not exactly. Just when they think they've pulled a fast one, here comes prophet, charging Ahab with two crimes. It's funny, Naboth had been falsely accused of two crimes himself. The two scoundrels said Naboth cursed God and king, and Elijah said that Ahab had murdered Naboth and taken his field. And for those crimes he would suffer gruesome death. Just think how many, many mistakes, how many crimes, how many sins could be avoided if it weren't for one huge lie we tell ourselves. No one will ever know. No one will ever find out what I have done. I once interviewed a person who was, he wasn't just puzzled, he was mystified why he had gone to jail because he had committed the perfect crime. So you know, I had to ask him, tell me all about it. Well, the short of it is that he and his buddy, they went to a bank where they did not have an account. They took counter checks, they made them out to themselves, and then they cashed them. So why was he puzzled about why he went to jail? 
He told me. It wasn't forgery. We signed our own names. <laughs> Nothing can be done to help Jezebel and Ahab, or for that matter, Naboth, now. But what, what can we do about our own greed, our own envy? Well, Mary Louise Bringle is a professor at North Carolina's Brevard College. She's written a book about envy. And the very first line of the book, she says, that of all the, what we call the seven cardinal or seven deadly sins, envy is the only one that involves no pleasure for the sinner. So if envy is the poison, what can we do? What's the antidote? Well, we can cultivate Bringle's antidotes for envy. She writes, once we expose the secret sin of envy to the light, we can bring, we can begin to cultivate in its place an array of new habits, humility, generosity, simplicity, and gratitude. Such habits not only help us escape from the miseries of envy, but more than this, they can fill our formerly soured and self-devoured hearts with increasingly abundant living. On behalf of Ahab, Jezebel had hapless Naboth murdered so they could take his land. But eventually, Jezebel and Ahab learned the truth, expressed it. In him, this is my father's world, which happens to have been written by a Presbyterian minister named Malt B. Babcock. One verse says, this is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. Thanks be to God. None of us are kings and able to steal somebody's vineyard. We'd have to pay for it and pay a fair price. But there are ways we take advantage of people we have power over. And so our job is to be more aware of the powers we have and the opportunities we have to be not greedy, but kind and generous. So go out and share the good news with a world that really needs good news. Jesus Christ has come to help us and to set us free. So may God the Creator, Christ the Savior, and the Holy Spirit, our Advocate, guard your going out and your coming in, and be your strength and help in every time of need. Amen.